Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here joined today by my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Christopher Prunty. On today's episode, we are continuing our world of monster friends, kids with monsters, hell, it's legally distinct Pokemon slash Digimon slash Monster Rancher slash Fighting Foodons, that whole subgenre. We're getting right back into it. Thanks again to our patron, Jay, for suggesting this idea. And remember that if you want to submit an idea and have us build your world, you can always email us over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com, and we will put you on a list and eventually make your world. So last we left off on the previous episode, we had rolled a twist that we now have to reconcile. That twist being monsters under the bed are real. So Chris... Why don't you go ahead and start us off and reconcile the twist for us? How did you approach the monsters under the bed are real? I wanted to do something that brought about uh, restlessness and sleeplessness uh, in the fact of people who weren't able to uh, sleep or got very close to uh, insomnia kind of broke a hole in the world and that caused what we talked about it kind of being like the realm of dreams Mm -hmm. that it started to flood into the real world interesting and i wanted these people to be similar to the uh the like quote unquote lack of a better word uh digidestin Mm-hmm. I want it to be these are people who, due to their restlessness or their inability to deal with what's keeping them up, uh, has forged their own little monsters. Wait, I- explain that part, because I'm actually rather curious about that. It's kind of like on a manif- manifestation of their nightmare or their they become like reality warpers where they are now walking and they don't realize what is the dream and what is reality, but they're destroying what is reality so how did they get their monster then because that's the part that i'm curious about their monster is more of like a symbiote it's part of them it's where uh they are one with it because their inability to kind of distinguish reality that universe our universe has formed them into one so don't think of it as like a separate monster think of it as something more akin to like Venom or Carnage. Or Freddy Krueger. Or Freddy Krueger, yeah. Gotcha. So Because, because you know, in Nightmare on Elm Street, it's not like Freddy is just a regular burned guy with a glove. He, is also, he can also turn into Super Freddy, or he can turn into a pizza pie, or he can turn into all sorts of different things. So is that- He can turn into a pizza pie? Yes, that happens, I believe. Technically, he turns someone else into a pizza pie, but he can't. He could have chose to turn himself into that same pizza pie. Well, actually, you know what? Instead of pizza pie, let's go with TV because he does turn himself into a TV at one point. So we'll what in the actual fuck? That's you know what? That's in the third movie, too. Is that that's Dream Warriors? Even, yeah, that's Dream Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, uh, welcome to tr- primetime, bitch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's what it's called. What Dream Warriors? Yes, Dream Warriors is the th- it also Dream Warriors is fantastic. It's no, I really thought it was called one. Welcome to Primetime Bitch. 
No, well, no, that actually I would see that movie though. No, no, but that's the quote that he has when he kills the girl who wants to be a a movie star. You can run, (laughs) but you can't hide, bitch. Yeah. Uh, man, oh man, I, I fucking love Freddy is like definitely my favorite. Like a lot of people prefer Jason and whatnot, but no, I've always been a Freddy guy just because of Robert England and his charm. Strong, um, silent type though. Yeah, well, yeah, you can you can do that, but I'm a talker, so I'll go Freddy all day. Um. Anyway, so we've got so we've got like a bunch of kids who are basically Freddy Krueger's dream warrioring it up, and um. How do so? So their monsters are basic. Actually, you know what? If we want to do this as a more uh, modern uh, idea in terms of not just Venom and Carnage, can you also see um, uh, what's the character? Um, what's the character from My Hero Academia who has the shadow that's like surrounds him and stuff like that? It's like uh, Kage I, something. Dark you know Shadow. Yeah, Dark Shadow with the beak and everything like that you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah i don't know yeah. his name but i know his hero name yeah so so we can do i would imagine it would look something like that but like maybe a little bit more dreamlike in some way you could also have it that it does get more powerful uh at night or as they become more fatigued yeah yeah actually i like the idea that um these kind of waking nightmares get more powerful as the kids continue to not get sleep Hmm. because i mean chris would know a little bit something like that right (laughs) did i ever tell you about the 13th hour no why don't you go ahead and tell us about the 13th hour chris it was an experience i had when i hadn't slept in forever and went on a 13 hour flight to ireland and was stuck at a hotel waiting for it to open so that i could sleep and then i was looking at the clock and they said i could go in at one o'clock and I saw the clock strike 13 and I had literally thought I lost my mind because I had forgotten about the 24 hour <laughs> clock format. <laughs> so these, these creatures, um, in terms of their representation, do they actually exist? Like, I know they actually exist from a fiction perspective, but like from the perspective of other people who encounter these insomnia, sleep deprived kids, do, do the creatures actually exist? Or are they like in the creature's minds? And so the person appears to have powers, even though it's the creature that's doing it. I view them as like a parasite that injected themselves into this person. They existed outside of this before it. Right. I was wondering how it manifests. Cause like in, in, in Venom, like his body's literally taken over by the symbiote. Right. And then he becomes this monster. So I'm thinking like in this setting, you've got pocket monsters that they're supposed to like deploy, right. That they're separate from them. So is it that like, there's not really, it's just that it's in their mind. And so they have these powers. It seems like it's coming from them. Or is there like an actual monster that manifests from the end of the sleep realm? I think, it, I think it would probably wrap around them. So it, it is like a weird, it's, it's a weird hybrid of the two concepts that we're rolling with where the way that I perceive it anyway, Chris, and I apologize for cutting you off, not at all, um, is it, it's imagining like this thing that can wrap around the kid and it might take on some kind of monstrous form, but it is semi-permeable and it's kind of like a, like a, a liquid or you know something that can change shape pretty readily. Is that something that you had in mind, Chris? Yes. Okay. So it's literally a, like a Venom Carnage thing. Yeah, but not necessarily just because it's goo. You know, it could be like dreamscapes or shadow or 
some kind of star field that surrounds them. I imagine that it could take on a number of shapes and uh, manifestations. So actually, Chris, your general concept is pretty similar to something that I that I, I was wanting to get in with. I, I this week. I tied my reconciliation with the twist with my faction and I came up with a faction called the forgotten. And we've talked about these kids who've all experienced these near death experiences and their monsters are manifestations of how they are able to cope or deal with the trauma in their life. Right. And, essentially these monsters as they are, are guides to help the children like grow and essentially move on from those traumas. I was, and because the, the whole setting essentially takes place in both the real world in this and this other world that most people can get to through technology, I was thinking that there are probably a lot of kids who've experienced these near-death traumas and experienced trauma as a result. And eventually some of them just can't handle it anymore. And so there are probably slews of these monsters that, you know, they're, they're waiting for their kids to come back, you know, so they can continue to help them. But eventually they either get together and they're like, something must have happened to these kids. We've got to go and figure out what happened to them. Or maybe some of them are just angry that they've been abandoned. Um, but eventually, you know, when I, when I think of the monsters under the bed are real, those monsters are trying to find a way into the corporeal world so they can find their kids again. And so they start devising a plan to essentially invade the real world not knowing that that's probably not a very good idea. I like that because it um there's a sense of the there's a motivation built into it. So it's not like they're just evil creatures. They actually want to get back to their kids. So they have a, a, a potentially good reason for what they're doing, even though it's scary. Yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, one of the things that attracted to me to the idea in the first place that it's like, we have a pretty black and white world set up where it's the kids versus the evil tech corporation who's manufacturing these things. And I was like, let's, let's go with a little bit like, this is not going to be the major story, but I think having it as a side story and having a little bit of gray morality in there is probably an interesting way to approach it. You know? I mean, you could even, if you, if you want if people were playing with different twists, they could tie Chris's together with that. Like he could, um, instead of it being about insomnia, you could have these forgotten creatures be ones that then end up binding with other kids through insomnia because they're in search of their own kids. You know, there's different ways you could, you could tie that together. That's a really, yeah, that's a really good idea. I mean, and not only that, but maybe the kids are kind of victims in a way where, and so these, these creatures seem really evil when they first manifest because they're essentially taking these kids over in search of their own kids. Actually, Daniel, I like that idea a lot. I like that that idea more than what I was going with initially. So Chris, yeah, are you cool with synthesizing these ideas and kind of going with what Daniel was suggesting? Yeah, that is that sounds very fitting. You can even have like a little stalker kid, like not stalker kid, but yeah, like a little kid who's obsessed with this other kid. And he doesn't know why. And it's because that kid is the lost child of the monster that's been inhabiting him. Um, all right. So so Daniel, you have yet to tell us your idea for your reconciliation. So why don't you go ahead? 
we've got these cool like nightmare dudes now that are just walking around in kids bodies so how did you kind of come up with or how did you reconcile the twist interestingly enough i think what i was thinking about could be probably easily married with both of your guys' things so my thought was um when these kids have a near-death experience that ties them to their monster from the emotional realm the near-death experience is an actual death um and part of a child's psyche is like given over to the emotional realm as a result of it and when they're linked to their pet another pet is created that's like a shadow of the pet um that 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 represents a piece of everyone's death or everyone's brush up with the emotional realm such that um, they could be combined in some way in the end. So I think, and I think that might be vague enough to like, you know, work into the other ones in some way. But my, my idea is that like you leave something behind in the, in the emotional realm when you have that near death experience and that thing is still there and it's still looking for you. It's it's like the part that you left behind that's looking for you, right? Right, right. Okay, and it's like a, it's it manifests as a a version of your creature that's just like a shadow version. So this is uh, Chris. I'm assuming is the only one here who's played Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I've seen it, but I don't I've done nothing about. It. I know there's <laughs> Disney characters in it, and it is entirely unappealing to me. That's not surprising coming from Daniel. Okay. The reason I bring it up is because um, there are there are these two strata of monsters, and you'll excuse me if I get this wrong and it's changed, but I haven't played it since the second one on the PS2. So if there is something I'm getting wrong, talk to like ten year ago me, not or twelve year more than that. Oh my god, I'm old. Anyway, talk to the past me, not now me. Uh, there is this idea that if you become a heartless, which is one of the strata of monster, but then you return, then you be, you create what's called a nobody, which is basically uh, the remnant of that monster that you became. So that actually is what it sounds like to me. Um, and yes, Chris, it was the PS2. <laughs> you, you're old, just like me. No. <laughs> we're, we're now three PSs away from from the original Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2. But anyway, yeah, that, that's kind of what it reminds me of. But I like the idea that this piece that you leave behind, Daniel, is not just like a dark reflection of you, but like it is, it, it becomes its entire entity, like its entire singular entity on its own in some way. And it could be like the forgotten monster in a sense, right? Like you have you have your forgotten monsters that were disconnected from their kids. Maybe they are also, or maybe they are the same thing. I don't know. That's that's an interesting idea, but I like them as separate entities because for some reason I'm now thinking of these things that you're talking about, Daniel, as essentially like the biggest, baddest of villains. Like this is after I feel like these are the villains that come in after the kids have defeated the corporation. Yeah. And these are like the series finale villains. Because I want them right? to be genuinely bad. Like they they can have some redemptive quality because they're in some way connected to the kids. But I don't want them to be like, oh, they are secretly doing a good thing. No, they're bad. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, I, I'm actually okay with that. Like I, I'm actually okay with them being genuinely bad. I think on like a metaphorical level, I think it'd be interesting if these. Uh, if they would represent like the final hurdle that they need to kind of reconcile their own feelings with their trauma. 
you know, yeah, like exactly. That's that's the like that's the piece that they left behind. And oh, can we call them the abandoned? Because that mm-hmm. because they essentially abandoned that part when they had their near death experience. So I mean, if it's not too close to forgotten. Well, well, those are two separate things. But but you know, whatever. I, I agree with you. Maybe it's a little bit too close. But remember, the fiction that we're dealing with here is kind of cheesy in that way. So why not, right? Again, this actually ties into what I had for a conflict. And my conflict is actually quite simple. I, I made a somewhat complex like faction and I wanted to have a more simplified version of the conflict because one of my favorite things about not, you know, not just Pokemon in general, but a lot of these uh, kids with monsters genre is there's always a really shitty rival right? Like everyone knows Gary Oak compared to Ash Ketchum. And everyone knows that Gary Oak is just a piece of shit. Everyone knows this, right? So my idea is every kid who has these near-death experiences is, has a rival, like no matter what, there's always like a rival to represent the bad version. And I think Daniel, if we were to marry our ideas, we might even make it so that the uh, the bad version or the part that gets left behind, it might be the one who approaches these kids and is like, hey, we noticed that you don't have a monster because you never experienced uh, near death. But, you know, we do have, a, you know, like I do want to have revenge on the kid who left me behind. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, sense. yeah, I think that might be the way to approach this idea. I don't know. For a moment, I thought you were saying like near death shaming. No, like, yeah. no, no, you never experienced it. Actually, uh, I did have an idea that was incredibly dark and I thought it was too dark for the for the tone of the setting that we've established. I'm going to tell it to you guys because I think it's a cool idea, but it's not canon in terms of how I'm approaching the setting, which is inevitably the method for which you get these super rare monsters gets out and it sparks a... Um, uh, a fad among small children of trying to nearly kill themselves. So they oh, can I can totally own. see that. Yeah. 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 That's God, like the, slender man all over again. Right. Yeah. Like that's the real world version of what would probably happen if this was a thing, but in our setting, that's not going to happen because again, we're trying to keep this wholesome if fucking possible. Uh, so Yeah. Keep that as an idea. It's a cool idea. You know, put it in the back of your mind. If you want to go and, you know, make a more mature version of the setting, keep that in mind. That's probably something that's going to happen. But anyway, yes, that that is the general idea that I have. Or this is this is where, you know, in the background, this is where you can see uh, anime exposed would explore that kind of aspect of the world. I was also thinking it's a lot like paranoia agent as well, right? Mm. Where it's like, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a disease that runs through the city in some way. And Um, you could definitely do a lot with that in that kind of crazy dark version with the internet, you know, and the liberation and all that. But to your, your conflict, I, I really like that because what that does is it creates a lot of narrative possibilities. You know, you can tell a story with two characters who are rivals. You mm-hmm. can tell two teams that are rivals. You could have it be a, a through branding sort of thing. It could be within one oh, company. Branding. There's yeah, all kinds of ways you could do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the other reason I was thinking from like, if we were running this as a tabletop RPG as well, it might be really fun to make your character 
and then to make your rival character oh really, yeah that'd be so much fun right like i think i think having some level of like creativity over your rival and what they're like is is really interesting because it not only tells you a lot it, it tells you about your character based on what they hate about their rival or what they have conflict with about their rival right it's not like oh this guy is so super handsome and cool it's like no this guy is a piece of shit because he fucked my mom you know like that type of thing wow that's exactly the kind of conflicts you want in the story you know well you you know what i mean you know what i'm talking about <laughs> no like i want it to actually be that the kid fucked his mom you know that's why so it's like <laughs> well that's that's the gary oak rivalry you know that's oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why ash hates gary is because can we on. make a rated r version of this like um i feel like that's gonna that be, be one of our roles uh you know what yes <laughs> yes I, I, yeah i'll say that we're instead of rolling for our one of our plot hooks we're just gonna make the most fucking mature version of this as possible i am so excited for that we've so excited i i know we've we've already devoted a little bit of a time to it but i love this idea and i do want to keep it as like kind of kid friendly as possible because that, you know we need to have little kids around you know we need to have the we need to have the, the joyous ones not just the ones that are pure horror all the time anyway we we're getting far away from this so gentlemen what uh i, I need to hear factions from somebody because i've i'm the only one who's given mine so far see i saw my faction as being this brand of people but maybe well the, we, the, in that case we've just blended our factions together and i'm okay with that yeah yeah like i really like the way that it came out and i think that would have been like the natural way of evolving it anyway absolutely uh, okay so so if that's the case then daniel you're the only one who hasn't given us a faction yet what is the faction that we're dealing with here um mine's a little complicated um but the the gist is that i wanted to tie um i wanted like a third party group that's that's opposed to the corporation but also like not really friends with the kids so i was thinking of like it's this emo group of kids or like some kind of alternative group and they're these hacker kids who are like trying to break into the corporation to get the list of all the um the monsters that exist but the reason why they're trying to get the list of all the all the unique monsters because we know that we established the corporation keeps the list so they could produce all these knockoffs yes. so they want to get the master list and the reason why is because they're they know about the um the the fact that kids kids have when they have a near-death experience there's like the shadow created and they want to collect all the shadows and make the super monster out of it interesting um they sound like an auxiliary villain group though because it sounds yeah. like what they're trying to do is also quite evil yeah and i I, f I want them to be misguided because i want them to be like emo kids in the sense that they think this is a really cool thing because it's so edgy right but they mm. don't realize what they're doing and maybe, that's the problem yeah i i like that idea maybe the we can make them a little bit less evil by just not knowing that um they they just don't know about the level of connection between these kids you know so when when they're trying to make the ultimate you know like shadow monster they don't realize that they're 
physically fucking with the psyche of actual children, you know, like kids right. their age. They're just like, oh, damn. They just think it's cool. They want to get this really like super unique monster that, oh. you know what I mean? And also yeah. screw you corporations. I'm not right. a part of your system. Exactly. Yeah, I got it. And that. I threw it on the ground. Right, right. <laughs> Except actually, this is this is actually pretty um pretty apropos of like how real tech companies are where they just think about the technology and what they can do with it rather than any of the repercussions and how it will affect real people. So I think that's pretty real to life. Uh, sure. So I, I like that idea. Obviously, I would imagine that this is probably where we get an extra member of the main group of characters at some point where the they after they after their plan is stopped one of the kids has a genuine near-death experience and then realizes what the hell's been going on you know something oh that's like cool that. and you could also even have like so let's say that character is like permanently in the group at that point you could have had him be an auxiliary character where they wouldn't know they didn't know what his deal was and he was like an email character maybe outside of their friend group but they find out what he's actually up to and that's how they get sucked into the whole you know story I mean, realistically, you know, them all being hackers gives them an easy in to uh, the the main group because he's like, yeah, I hope you find some information based on the corporation. I'm also aligned with that, you know, only for him to kind of feed information about actually the kids giving him the information about what's going on is probably the reason that that group starts to like dig a little bit more into mm -hmm. that foundation in the first well, and they're, place. They want to know about the uniques too. Like they want yeah. their own. They don't have any. Yeah. Didn't the, <laughs> this is heavy Digimon lore, but didn't the Digi Emperor eventually join the group? Yeah, absolutely. Also, that's not heavy. That's season two of season two. Digi Emperor? Two. Yeah. L what? Listen, see, you're looking at through the eyes of you Daniel no, has no it's literally idea. it's part of the anime, Christopher. I I'm it's aware. Part of the anime. I don't. That's an emperor. Yeah. Well, he's 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 a little kid basically, and then oh. he creates all of these. Um, it's essentially a new version of the Black Years from series one. Um, but yeah, Lord, where, where I he can't. suddenly I realize, Daniel, this is how you make other people feel about Star Trek. <laughs> right. This <laughs> is. I, I feel like Star Trek, though. I got no problem with Star Trek. Although there is a part, admittedly, where my eyes do glaze over and it's like, all oh, right, Cardassians, right? Yeah, this is how I how I feel like right now. I'm watching Invincible, which is a super adult like um, uh, superhero riff, basically. And so I'm like, whatever, there's some weird thing like the Digi Emperor mentioned that sounds cutesy. I'm like, oh, I just want to hurl. No, actually, I think I think his character is pretty well developed. It's just that you have to have dumb names sometimes like. I, I genuinely believe, right, that if you want to teach people lessons, the best way to do it is by tricking them. And in certain cases, you have to trick them with dumb and or cutesy names to treat the, you know, to teach them real genuine lessons. And in this case, right, like with kids, it's like we got to give them a dumb name, but also we're going to teach them about how to overcome shit that is genuine and painful, you know? Yeah, because kids are dumb. Right, exactly. You can't be like, here's how you deal with emotional trauma, kids. It's like, no, you have to mask it in a cool monster so they get interested in the monster and then invested in the fight scenes. And then they can learn something about themselves once the emotional shit starts to hit. That's Or you, that's or you could I just um, have your eight-year-old kid watch Invincible and then... 
you know, well, sort that out themselves. I don't recommend. And that. then, and then at nine years old, he's smoking two packs a day and drinking <laughs> coffee. Yeah, exactly. Rightfully, what, this is why you're not a parent, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> My kid will be like 20, 38 in like two days. Yeah, Jesus. your child is going to be a toddler wearing a turtleneck and smoking a yes. cigarette reading Sartre. That's exactly. what your fucking child is going to be like. And guess what? He's going to be insufferable. Yep. No one is going to want to play with him, Daniel. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. Let's move on because really we're just getting deep into the lore here. Uh, I, I've already given my conflict. Who has an extra conflict that they want to get into? Daniel, it almost sounds like your faction is like a breeding ground for conflict. So what's what else you got? Uh, the conflict that I was thinking about has nothing to do with it. <laughs> but I was thinking about um, the corporation and I wanted to be how you can have a story where, for example, there's like this rich kid who's maybe the child of the corporate founder um but he doesn't have um his own unique monster but he has like the entire collection because he's like the the child of a, a corporate founder and he wants his own like near-death experience so um you know he resents the the hero team who has all their own uniques and perhaps like he has to team up with the that team and there's like some plot inside the corporation that they get involved with and he realizes you know that what his father's mother's up to isn't so great and there's like all these realizations they have but the central conflict is that you could have a villain who gets incorporated into the the, the party who then has to realize the error of his ways maybe the, the party also realizes something about um him or the corporation that makes them feel better about it too or, or feel bad for them you know, based on what we were talking about so far, I bet that that hacker kid that we were talking about is probably the same child, right? Oh, that would be neat. Yeah. So he's actually working against the corporation secretly. Right. But for like different reasons, you know, like he's mm -hmm. he's more of like a fuck you, dad type of, uh -huh. type of character. Well, that's why he, it makes sense. He doesn't have a unique. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and he's like, sure, he's really good and really powerful in the game. But like in reality, he's just kind of a broken human. Chris, do you have a conflict that you want to roll into? Um, going back to the invasion of kind of the real world mm -hmm. from these reality warper dreamer people. Mm -hmm. uh, nightmare uh, kids. Yep. Nightmare kids. Or dream warriors. <laughs> I was going to continue. <laughs> I was going to say that the conflict could be uh, the regulation and kind of. Uh, like imagine the good people succeed in the sense that they're starting to defeat the corporation, but there's this huge thing going on. Uh, they might try and just prevent all access to that realm from ever happening again. And then it becomes instead of uh, a verse corporation versus a society or gov government's uh, view of what this world is. So can you, so you're saying that they, the government or the corporation are trying to regulate access to the emotional realm. So I'm saying that the, after the corporation's exploitation of it, the impact that it has on the world of these uh, reality warpers saying doing property damage uh, then causes it to be like, all right, you know what? All this technology is banned. It's not safe. Uh, we're, we're really going to cut it down. Corporations now defunct. Kind oh, of so thing. it could be like a season four where like yeah, instead gotcha. of a corporation, okay. you have like a government villain sort of. 
Correct. Cool. And okay. then and then you get into the idea of like pirate servers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you it's basically like how WoW Classic before WoW Classic was, you know. Or uh I forget the name of the book, but uh in the in the book people learn how to step to a different dimension or a different parallel earth and then they realize that uh the technology wasn't even needed it was more about a method of thinking and so uh the technology gets banned and then you know these people are upset that they can't access that world anymore and then they realize that they never needed the technology the technology was kind of like a a dumbo Mm -hmm. feather that's cool. Gotcha. I like that. Yeah, but I can I can roll with that idea. Um, and not only that, I would imagine, right, that it in the the way that they kind of explain it in world is, oh well, the sequel's coming out. You know, you want to play in the new version, don't you? It's mm. shut all the servers down for the first one, while also shutting down the you know the emotional access. Well, you don't want to be in the server when it shuts down. That makes you become an izakai. Yeah, exactly. Then, then you're an overlord, for example. Mm. Um, I can see that as a lead-in to also collecting the, the shadow creatures to make the ultimate monster one as being the background thread. Maybe the government is also trying to collect them, you know, for their own reason. Mm-hmm. So you've got the kids racing to get them, but they don't realize the implication. And you've got the hacker kid helping them who used to belong to the company since the company's gone. Yeah. I, we've basically created an entire anime series with this with this season. I just realized, or with this setting, I just realized. And then you know we can do the reboot where it all takes place in a stone ocean. Uh, what? That's not a reboot though. Yeah. Alternate that's, timeline? No, that's that's a no. The alternate timeline is Steel Ball Run. Oh, that's you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, that's the one with the horses. Uh, yeah. That means exactly. Yeah, exactly, Daniel. Exactly. You'll never be as cool as us. God, I hate anime so much. <laughs> uh I, I i need to be the person who traumatized you from actually daniel oh, she's if, the worst if, daniel if you if you were to have your own monster it would almost certainly be representative of some kind of anime trauma oh god it, it would be an anime monster what a nightmare it, it, it would be the most annoying be. anime monster yep exactly <laughs> Oh god. Exactly, it would be like it would have the stupid high pitched fast way of talking. It would make all kinds of emoji physical manifestations. It would be hated so much. Like, uh uh what's it called? Uh Miku. What's what's the uh, Chris, help me out here, please. Oh, the VR girl thing. Yeah. Jesus, oh, I hate her too. She's insufferable. Oh my god. Is that god. what I'm thinking of? Yes, I think so. Yeah, there you go. Again, Snuffy. Um oh. No, no. Anyway, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel's avatar, Daniel's uh, special, unique monster is an anime character. And I very much appreciate that. I feel like Sideshow Bob with the rake. (laughs) 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 With with that being said, I think it's safe that we can roll into our uh, plot hooks for the setting. And uh, one of them is going to be R rated X, triple X rated. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay, actually, wait, I take back the triple X rating because that implies all sorts of Chris-like things about that setting. So let's not do that. Right. That's inherent of the setting, though. All right. So we are now here. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the genre this plot hook is going to be taking place in. Uh, So that's going to be science fiction. So we've now got 
I mean, we're already kind Isn't of- Isn't it science fiction? I guess we're in space. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say, we can make it even more science fiction-y. So that, that might be fun. Let's go ahead and come up with a theme that we have to surround this idea in. Okay, we've got a sci-fi themed game with madness in the unspeakable, a plot hook that it, this one's still going to be PG. Let's keep this one PG. I think that'd be fun challenge, uh, all things considered. So how do we take something like that that is vaguely like cosmic horror-y and also has more sci-fi bent to it, but keep it PG within the setting? I'll definitely put them in space for one. Um, Cyberspace? No, like um, yeah. astronaut no. helmets, I'm thinking. No, 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 Daniel. It's cyberspace because the the area that like the game is already taking place within like a technological world. So we can just call it cyber space where it's like stars and planets and shit, but it's literally oh, cyberspace. But it's still space. You're just saying it's like the internet, but it looks like space. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, okay. actually, I guess that's fine. instead of instead of stars, can we have binary all over the place instead? I guess. I Come guess. on, that's a fun idea. You get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's <even> fun. Care. <laughs> all right. So we've now got the madness and the unspeakable. How can we deal with that? Uh, collective unconsciousness of all of mankind's fears put into a shadow entity that they have to fight as the big final boss. I feel like we did that. Yeah, yeah. we kind of already did that. Can, oh, can we have the, the prototype version of this world instead? So rather than like the final boss, it's like this weird janky leftover from the alpha version or the alpha testing. Oh, where it's all like Minecraft style graphics. Something like that. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. But it's also like horrible and dark. Like in Minecraft when there's that um the fear of certain like really hard monsters appearing. I've never yes. played Minecraft, so yeah, no no no, but there's creepy pastas of like yeah uh, monsters that stalk you and then you see them in the real world kind of thing. That actually mm -hmm. works. Yeah, I think oh. that would work. Okay, there we go. Fucking knocked it out. Okay. Uh, all right, next plot hook. We're going to be roll. This is the one that we can uh, make it rated R. How about that, Daniel? Yes, finally. Okay, so the genre that we're going to be dealing with is going to be fantasy. And the theme that we're going to be rolling with is going to be pride and honor. So we've got... What? Yeah, so we've got pride and honor in a fan in a fantasy setting. So let's take some of the fantasy tropes, apply it to our uh, legally distinct Pokemon world, and make it rated R. So Daniel, take it away. I definitely want everything to be oversexed, like massively oversexed. So like I'm thinking '80s level, everyone in bikinis, whether it's barbarian men or women. And, um, you know, bussy, muscle bound, you know, Conan the coiled Barbarian muscles. style. Yeah, one Robert e. Howard style. Yeah, okay. like I want classic 80s, huge hair, super oversex fantasy. I actually have a way to reconcile this within the regular version of our setting. Okay. This is the adult only server of the game. Oh, that my is God. Like, 
Yeah. Oh, see, I know I've hit dirt when both of you are like, fuck off. That's terrible. That's what I know that. Yeah, that's the perfect idea that we're rolling with. So uh, this is the adult only role play server for the for the characters in the game. And that's what we're fucking doing. And my Absolutely. lawyer has informed me that I should be silent from this point on. <laughs> uh, no, Chris, I'm actually tapping you for your expertise in this genre. Can the monsters be like impish in that they're like always trying to get the players to do really raunchy things or bad? Like they're like the devil on your shoulder rather than like a part of your emotional consciousness you're trying to resolve. Like they're actually your your id. Yes. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, so okay, we've got the general setting of this. What is the plot that we have to kind of deal with here? Sex. Okay. What about sex? <laughs> Coming to grips with it. I mean, if we're going with, uh, oh, God, every word wants me to vomit. Um, understanding it and not seeing it as something to fear or something to uh, taboo. How is this pride and honor, I guess, is the question. Uh, That's actually a very good point. Pro- yeah, well, is- maybe you two need to get more involved with the Catholic Church. Oh my God. <laughs> oh wow. That is no, that's, that's madness in the unspeakable Chris <laughs> or, or maybe treachery and revenge, depending on the type of story that we're talking about. Here. Oh, okay. Maybe working off of what Chris said, uh, you said being more comfortable. So maybe pride is about literal, like pride, LGBTQ kind of oh. uh, aspect of understanding, you know? Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what honor would be with that, but pride in a sense of like under or being okay with everyone's crazy Monogamous. sex stuff. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I'm I'm cool with I'm cool with the idea of like characters coming to this place and understanding. You know, like part of them is like, oh, I'm actually a queer person. Okay, and then maybe that journey through this area is kind of like challenging to them in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we can just abandon the honor part here and just stick with the pride and you know. <laughs> It's our look. There's no rules to this. All right. We, well, we the, make the, up the rules. So the honor it. could be um, the code. So the chivalrous code with which you travel through this sex realm, fantasy sex realm. There is a there's an honor you, code. Can I just say that real quick? <laughs> Fucking hate you so much. There's an honor code to um, how you respect other people's uh, fantasy sexualities. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's not like you're you're. Uh, oh my God, what's the what's the little green goblin guy from the internet from like two thousand five? What? Um, Ralph Puton. Does anyone know what that is? Nope. Chris, please. No. Oh wow. Okay. Never mind. Uh, he. So this is this is deep internet lore. There used to be this character called Ralph Puton who was a little like this was in Second Life where you can make your character look like anything. So he made this character look like a fat goblin with a cigar in his mouth. And he would go to all of the adult roleplay servers and just like, like comment on what was happening. And they'd be like, please leave. Oh my God, please leave. (laughs) This is like early trolling back in the day. But yeah, anyway, moving on. Uh, What else? Okay, so I like the story that we're telling here about like, this is kind of a realization of your sexuality. How do we evoke that within the setting? There's lots of graphical imagery. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, coming to grips with it and understanding it. Mm. It's a journey. Let's go with that. Let's go with it's a journey. I think I think the less said about this, the better, actually, yes. now that I'm talking about <laughs> it. Um, 
Although I, I am now, admittedly, I'm now thinking like, I bet there's probably a bunch of monsters who are just basically like big hulking gimps. You know, oh, like God. they're just like muscle boys and like gimp masks and stuff like that. Yep. I'm like, yeah, that sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, there are. I'm like, yeah, why not, right? There's and also then, like those monsters that are just basically a bunch of penises, but it's meant to look like a hydra or something. Uh, Daniel, you really uh, need to play Persona because, man. <laughs> Is that the case? Uh, I'm going to send you something. I'm actually, I want you to keep this in because I want to have your... <laughs> live reaction to the image I'm about to share with you oh, on, on the podcast, because this is a real monster in the persona games. And I want you to appreciate this. So hold on one second. Oh, what the fuck is that's hideous. How could <laughs> anyone possibly draw that and think it was okay? Especially for persona, especially uh, for persona. What's wrong with them? That's person. What do you mean? Persona is a fucking mature game. Isn't it like a crappy anime video game? Like, yeah, but it's a mature, it's rated mature. And they actually, oh, first of all, I will push back. Horrible. It is not crappy. I actually love uh, the persona series. They're fucking, I don't care. My ex played it. I hate it. So whatever it is, I hate it. Daniel, you hate your <laughs> This ex, makes me hate it even persona, more. All right. This you makes me hate ex, it even more. Persona. Get out of here. All right. We're done with this episode. We're done with this episode. <laughs> oh God. Horrible. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us as we explore our very distinct, legally distinct monster, kids with monsters genre. I hope you had as much fun as we did making it. And again, a big shout out to our patron for uh, suggesting the idea. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always email us over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or you can go ahead and shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come join us and talk about world building and RPGs and all sorts of sorts of fun stuff other than world building, you can go and do so on our Discord with a link for that in the description. Alternatively, if you're feeling particularly generous or you want to hear us talk more about sexy, sexy anime characters, you can always give us money on Patreon. Link for that also in the description. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. Mm -hmm.